2: Broadcasting live from the Hyundai Studio, presented to you by your local Hyundai dealers. This is where Chicago goes to talk Bears. Sports Radio six seventy the score. Chicago's home for Bears fans. WSCR and HD Chicago. WBMX HD two Chicago. Always live on the free Odyssey app.
0: The star.
3: The premier baseball show in Chicago.
1: Hit and run with Matt Spiegel. 1-2. Abreu hits it well. Center field. Straw is back. He's at the track and he can't make the catch. It stays in the ballpark. And here comes Robert. That saved the Sox a run. That climbed the wall and didn't get out. And it's
3: one nothing here in the sixth. Liam Hendricks on to the 43rd time.
1: 2-2. Two and two. He got him swinging liam hendricks has converted 19 straight saves
3: and liam hendricks is pumped as he should be it's a huge game it ties the series at
1: one with the finale tomorrow and quato gets the victory in an absolute jewel on this saturday night wisdom tries one in the air right center field back toward the wall that ball bounces off the wall
3: The tying run scores. It's a double for Wisdom. Ball game tied at five. Now the 2-2. Line drive. Right field. Base hit. Cubs win the ball game. Wilson Contreras delivers. A solid single into right field. Rafael Ortega comes in to score. Big
2: celebration out on the infield. Cubs jumping up and down in jubilation. It's time for Hit and Run with your host, Matt Spiegel. Hey, that's me. That's me. I'm so glad I'm here. Glad you're here. I hope you are. Are you here yet? Hello? Hello? Is this thing on? Hello? Baseball season rolls forward into uh, the stretch run. I think, have we officially moved from the dog days to the stretch run? That theoretically happens somewhere late August. I think so. That's where we are right now. There is one more Sunday in August. So maybe next week is when we officially say we're in the stretch run. This is the kind of semantic idiocy that you come here for. I'm Matt Spiegel. I'm your host of Hit and Run, talking White Sox and Cubs in a two team baseball town. Who's got it better than us? Nobody. Um, very, very cool atmosphere in this town this weekend. I know there's been rain, but Aaron Water Show means the lakefront is packed. And I love living downtown. I enjoy it. Going to go out there probably again today with the family. The kid loves running around on the lakefront. Who wouldn't? And if you were over at Wrigley yesterday, the skies parted, the sun came out, and you ended up with a ball game on a lovely day and a really good ball game. Once the rain moved away, It was a really good ball game, and the Cubs win it in the 11th on a Contreras walk-off. They have won five straight. They have won five straight series, and here come the Cardinals for five, the class of the division once again, after the Brewers, who are reeling leave town. So one more with Milwaukee today, and then you get the Cardinals for five, and we'll see what happens there, but... It is undeniably kind of a fun, good moment for this particular Cubs batch, even as they are 15 games under 500. And Wrigley's a special place, as you know. Marcus Stroman killing it yesterday and loving that home crowd, loving the positivity. And there's items to talk about with that team, uh, that's for sure. And then last night in Cleveland, after nearly a three-hour rain delay, Johnny Cueto goes out (laughs) and throws his best game, of an incredible year. He's, he's just the man. He's an artist. He's, he's going to start the year on the couch and end the year with top 10 Cy Young votes. That's what's going to happen to Johnny Cueto. And if he goes, keeps going like this, it might be like top 7 Cy Young votes. You know, it's going to be Verlander and Cease is going to be up there and Alec Manoa is going to get some love. And Shane McClanahan is going to get some love. Nestor Cortez has been reeling a little bit for the Yankees. Um, so there's, there's a few others. But Johnny Cueto is going to be the other White Sox starter to get votes. It's not going to be Giolito. It's not going to be Lance Lynn. It's going to be Johnny F. And Cueto, whose ERA is now down to 2.58. He has thrown 10 straight quality starts. Quick, who's the last Chicago White Sox pitcher? To throw 10 straight quality starts. That's six innings, three earned runs or less. Is it Mark Burley? It is Mark Burley. Mm. And how right does that feel in terms of the throwback nature of their styles, frankly? Pitch to weak contact. Cueto said after the game, I'm not focusing on trying to strike out anybody. Just try to get quick contact, quick outs. I just want for them to put the ball in play. This is the anti line baseball, the anti-max-effort thrower. This is like watching Kyle Hendricks when he's good. It's like watching Mark Burley when he was good. Different arms, different stuff, but concept is the same. Everything spins, everything darts, everything moves. I'm going to mess you up with timing, and I'm not even trying to strike you out. I've got fielders behind me, and when they're good, they are good. Whew. Really, really, I mean, fun defense behind Cueto. Yeah, it's a White Sox team, and I just said fun defense behind Cueto. Moncada with a couple of nice plays. Abreu with the slide into the bag to get get Jimenez at one point on an infield grounder. And how about Elvis Andrus at shortstop? That dude is smooth. He is capable. He is a veteran. He's an adult. He is reassuring to see out there. Easy pivot on a double play ball with Josh Harrison um, at second base. A nice smooth play by Andrus last night up the middle, going to his left and then throwing it accurately across his body. Elvis Andrus is an adult I said as soon as he got released by Oakland, he should be a White Sox player immediately, and credit to them for getting in touch right away. I don't know what they gave him. They only have to pay him the pro-rated minimum. I don't know if there's any more than that. Probably not. The only reason I thought maybe there'd be more is if there were multiple teams who wanted him. But Andrus, happy to be here, happy to be playing every day, playing games of consequence every single day. Every single damn day. He should be here. Can we talk about his base running play to score the White Sox second run? He sees the ball bounce off Luke Maley's glove, the catcher's glove, realizes nobody is close enough to get it. A terrific quick read from Elvis Andrus and the instinct to take off at full speed, headfirst slide, got in there. That's the second run in what ended up being a 2-0 game. Massive, massive moment. So those are your stories in town. The Cubs with some good vibes, some good wins. Some interesting people that we'll discuss. John Boog Shambi will be on the show at 1020. I love talking to Boog. Um, Unsurprisingly, Joe Girardi, really effing good in the booth. Man, wasn't he? Love that. I texted Boog. There were some moments where I thought he and Girardi and JD sounded like they'd been a trio for a decade. Like you got a pitcher and a catcher in there talking together. And there's a specialness to having a manager so recently removed. When Girardi talks about rules, whether you agree with him or not, on the three batter rule, on you know the 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 ghost runner, the courtesy runner, as Pat Hughes call it, calls it, or the Manfred Man, as I like to call it, um, because how do I not call something the Manfred Man when it could be called that? And then I think of their version of Blinded by the Light and Do What Diddy very early on in the Manfred Man career. And other things. Um, Right? That was Manfred Mann, right? Do I, did he? Sean, to the internet, please, if you don't mind. I got it. Thank you, sir. So anyway, when Girardi's talking about that stuff, he's so recently there. It's it's such a visceral conversation. You are correct, sir. Okay, whew, God. Almost almost question the rock and roll bona fides. Oh, my gosh. How could you ever? <laughs> the
1: danger. Hey, before you get going here really quick, I have an update for you. Yes, please. Greg Brown is going to be joining us at 10 a.m.
2: Oh, really?
1: Yeah, I just got that update now.
2: That is excellent. So Greg Brown is the hitting coach for the Cubs. And we had requested a few different players or uh, coaches. And we'll talk to Greg Brown, the hitting coach for the Cubs, at 10 o'clock, just before Boog Shambi. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, so we will concentrate largely on White Sox um, in that regard for this first hour since we're going to be kind of heavier on the Cubs in hour number two. One thing about from the Cubs I wanted to play real quick. This is Wilson Contreras after the game yesterday on Marquee um, being interviewed and just talking about this team and where they are right now, why they're playing well, and what he is enjoying. Here's Wilson. It doesn't matter what place we're It doesn't matter who we're playing against. You. The only thing that matters to us is how hard we play every
4: single day and how we go through our business every single day. So I'm glad and proud of every single of my teammates because I know how hard they work. And even you know, though a lot of times we don't get the results, we come
1: back the next day
2: and try to win the, every single game. So that's Wilson talking about how hard they're playing. And you can see it. You can see it. And it can be a fun, gratifying Game to watch. He said after the game, this team, I think we have something special, to be honest. Every player that comes in is willing to listen. We want to win. That's why I want to play through my injury, which he has right now. He says, quote, I want to be part of what's going on here, unquote. Wilson is still in that headspace where he wants to be here. And now that the compensation will only be a B-level comp pick, and that's only if he accepts the qualifying offer, which he might, now you wonder if the conversation's going to change. We'll have time to talk about it rest of the season and certainly in the offseason. It is hit and run here. Matt Spiegel with you on 670 The Score. Let's talk about those White Sox who were two and a half games back of the Guardians. Dan Zimborski is going to join us later on as well from Fangraphs. So we've got a loaded show all of a sudden. Greg Brown, Cubs hitting coach, John Boogshambi, Dan Zimborski from Fangraphs, and, of course, the great, the wonderful Mr. Chris Kamka. See Campka on the Twitters, an absolute joy to talk to about baseball. I know he's got stuff on uh, important players on both sides of town. So, Cueto, listen to Dylan Cease talk about Cueto. This is yesterday on Inside the Clubhouse. Dylan Cease talking about what it's like to watch his teammate, the veteran, the killer, Johnny Cueto. This is before his start last night.
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, he's one of the most fun pitchers I've ever watched. Um, just the the ability to execute four or five pitches on both sides of the plate and uh, as well as you know change his motion up every time if he wants to. Um, and, and on top of that he, he's you know he's a bulldog too so it's like he, it's kind of like a special storm of all these um, attributes that you know that make him make him a special pitcher even this this deep into his career. so um, he's fun to watch. Um, I go and try to watch as many bullpens of his as well because they they're always uh, they're always impressive. So um, you know he's not afraid to give you his opinion on things, and um, he's he's a great player, great teammate, and uh, definitely definitely feel fortunate that I get to be his teammate.
2: That's awesome. That is a young fireballer who is turning into a pitcher before our eyes and having a phenomenal year, Dylan Cease. And it takes a village for a young fireballer to learn how to be a pitcher takes a great pitching coach. And I think Ethan Katz is a very good pitching coach. Um, We can talk about Lucas Giolito at some point later on. I've got long thoughts on Lucas Giolito and Ethan Katz together and something that's going on there and something that needs to change. But anyway, Dylan Cease has a good pitching coach. He's got a veteran staff that he can talk to and watch, including Lance Lynn, who's a wise old big bastard in his words. And now he's got Johnny Cueto to watch. And I love Dylan Cease learning stuff from watching Johnny Cueto. Because that's the kind of picture. Man, if you combine those sensibilities with what you have in terms of stuff and RPMs, as Greg Maddox once told me with that exact kind of conversation, he says, well, then you're Justin Verlander. That's what Maddox said. (laughs) I love that that was his reference. Um, here's Shane Bieber after the game, said that during the nearly three-hour rain delay, he and Johnny Cueto uh, locked eyes from across the field. Going fast, your lineup. I know it doesn't change your game, but what goes in your mind knowing that they're guys on? Yeah,
3: I was trying to, <laughs> I was trying to <laughs> knock the mud off my cleats, and, <laughs> and he was going too quick. Um, no, it, I saw him. Uh, I saw Johnny uh, when we were warming up. And we both gave each other a look. You know, a three hour rain delay isn't that fun um, for anybody. But um, starting pitcher, I said, let's make it a quick one. But I didn't mean that quick, you know. So, um, hey, I mean, he's a, he's, a, he's a great arm, been a great arm for a long time. So um, it was fun out there.
2: So that's Shane Bieber talking about going up against Johnny Cueto. Cueto, 5-1 with a 2.18 ERA since the 28th of June. Over 10 starts. Just awesome. One more quote on Cueto before we move on to something very bad with the White Sox. Uh, this from Terry Francona. My favorite manager in baseball. Has been for a long time. I think he's the best. I think he's the absolute best. The standard bearer right now. Quote, even when Cueto missed, it was either for a purpose or it was just off or down and in. You don't want to be impressed during a game because you want to find a way to beat him, but that was a very impressive performance. That's Tito Francona on Johnny Cueto. All right, we talked about some good Elvis Andrus with the defense and the base running. Um, Jose Abreu, we haven't talked about enough. We can and we will, but here's a real, real massive problem. Why is Yasmani Grandal being sent by Joe McEwing when he is the slowest base runner in baseball, period. He is the absolute slowest base runner in baseball. I have the StatCast sprint speed leaderboard up here from Baseball's Avant. Dead last in terms of feet per second, Yasmani Grandal. He is slower than everybody. Everybody. Yadier Molina, Martin Maldonado, Albert Pujols, Miguel Cabrera. These are the others in the top five slowest players in baseball. Everybody, by the way, in the top 20 of this list, I love looking at this list, it makes me laugh, they're all catchers, DHs, or first basemen. Everybody. Uh, Jacob Stallings, Tucker Barnhart, Jesus Aguiar, Rowdy Telez, Daniel Vogelbach. These are the slowest people in baseball. The, uh, the first non-catcher first base DH on this list is Robinson Cano. That's, that lets you know just how done Robinson Cano is. Why the Mets DFA'd him with two years left of, of his money. Why San Diego said no. Why Atlanta said no, right? He's been three places. That, that's how done Robinson Cano is. Is that he's the first non-catcher first base DH on the slowest sprint speed leaderboard. Williams Astudillo is also on here. He's an honorary catcher first baseman DH. Justin Turner, eventually. Um, Evan Longoria, eventually, Michael Franco, David Fletcher. Okay, now we're down at number 72. But anyway, number one, he's the slowest base runner in the game. Joe McEwing's sends have been awful all season long. The only thing that could possibly happen good is that somehow. He survives running the extra 90 feet. There's an error by the other team, which I think is what Joe McEwen counts on a lot. He's like, I'm just going to send you because they might screw up. Because, hell, they might be as poorly coached as we are. I I, I genuinely think that's the process. Well, sometimes big leaguers screw up. You know why? Because you and Daryl Boston don't coach them well. Among other reasons, yes, it's on them, but you guys also don't coach them well. And you know that's true. So maybe you think they're going to be as bad as you. So many bad things could happen, including what did happen, which is Grandal out and Grandal twisting. His ankle bent, but it was the knee he reached for. And we don't know exactly what it's going to be. If you didn't see the play or hear the play, is this the play? This is the play.
1: 2-2. On the ground, up the middle, and through. It's a base hit. Here comes Grandal. Straw's throw to the play is there, and Grandal, is out at home, and he's,
3: he's holding his knee. I can't quite figure that out, but right now, Yaz is in a whole lot of pain.
1: Yaz immediately went down in a heap. He grabbed for that knee. And right here, it's a very painful experience. Mainly with the tag.
3: And they help Yaz off.
2: So Yasmani Grandal helped off the field. We'll see what happens. He's definitely going on the injured list. He was on crutches in the clubhouse, said he wouldn't know the specifics. Um, The White Sox have called up uh, a catcher, Carlos Perez, who was there and available off the bench today. There needs to be a move made on the 40-man roster because Grandal and Zavala were the only catchers on the 40-man roster. That's kind of a no-no. At this point in the season, you're supposed to have three catchers on your Major League 40-man, but the White Sox have been scrambling for bullpen, for infielders, and just got Elvis Andrus. So I had to make a move there. But there'll be a 40-man move at some point, and I don't know if that means somebody gets designated for assignment or what they're going to do there. But you can also question, of course, whether Grandal should be run for by the manager, Tony Larusa. But, man... It's Joe McEwing that comes to my mind first. And then we have to deal with the consequence of no Grandal. And we'll ask ourselves, frankly, just how bad that actually is for the White Sox from here on out. Awkward statement. But let's talk about the truth of what it means to have no Yasmani Grandal the rest of the way. 312 644 6767 is the phone number, Sean Sears. Let's blow those phone lines wide open. Let's talk to you. A lot of White Sox in this first hour, a lot of Cubs in the second hour. And then we'll see if the White Sox start on time at 11 o'clock. They're the Peacock game, but it's raining there. So I'm hoping for a rain delay until like 12 so I can have three hours of talking about both teams unencumbered. Isn't that the right thing to hope for? Well, yes, I think it is. It's hit and run. Dial it up. Get involved at 312 644 6767. We will talk about Grandal and we'll talk about Jose Abreu. We'll talk about these White Sox and where they stand with you, the
0: score. Listen to every MLB game live. In
1: the deep left center field, it is high, it is
0: far, it is high. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League Home Run lead. Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB At-Bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep
2: left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game.
0: Subscribe to At-Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.
2: Listener next on 670 The Score.
3: The premier baseball show in Chicago. Hit and run with Matt Spiegel. Johnny Cueto on for 17th start, 18th appearance.
1: Struck him out on a cutter. First innings over. Johnny Cueto faces the minimum thanks to Johnny for two. Another three and two from Cueto. And he struck him out on a high fastball. That's it. Popped it up. There it was again. A high fastball. Moncada makes a catch. Two away. And Cueto. Gets the victory in an absolute jewel on this Saturday night.
0: Yeah, he's
2: old. Whatever, man. So what? Old people can do stuff. And totally do stuff. is the phone number. Carlos Perez is in the big league clubhouse for the White Sox in Cleveland. Uh, Daryl Van Scowen tweeting that it's fun to see a young player walk in for the first time. He is still smiling. Carlos Perez still smiling. He is there because Yasmani Grandal has been injured. All right, so you tell me if I'm a bad guy. Um, That looked awful for Yasmani Grandal last night. I hope it's not brutal for him. But also true, removing Grandal from your DH roulette and putting Sebi Zavala in defensively every day is not a bad thing for this stretch run for this lineup, to be frank. Am I a bad guy for saying that out loud? Yeah, maybe. It's possible. I will accept that. I will accept all um accusations and aspersions and the vibes just can't they they can't be great all the time. They can't, you know, it's it's very hard. Uh, to constantly, uh, just gotta speak the truth every once in a while. Three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. Here's the other thing about Grandal, and it's a difficult thing to sort of wrap your head around. There's too many DH slash corner outfield types on this roster, as you know, and as you look to 2023 with some creative restructuring that will need to happen to make this roster more sensible uh, for next season. You know, it's going to be very difficult to get Yohan uh, Moncada off this roster. Um, he's making 17 mil next year, 24 mil in 2024. Um, and you're probably not going to do that anyway. Um, Eloy Jimenez, do you want to get Eloy Jimenez off this roster? He'll be attractive at 10 mil next year, then 13, and then a couple option years at 16 and 18. You don't want to trade Andrew Vaughn, in my opinion, with all that control and all that promise at this point in his career. Um, you're looking around. <sighs> Yasmani Grandal is making $18.25 million next year. $18.25 million next year. And the way we're talking about him, the way we feel about him, it'd be nice to find a way to not have to do that next year. It would be. And I don't know if it's possible. Maybe you could find... An out-of-town team, and the injury obviously hurts that, but we'll see what happens when he comes back. An out-of-town team that values the veteran catcher, that values his reputation as a pitch framer, um, and values the, the previous production offensively, and is willing to give you something for Yasmani Grandal that might fit your roster a little bit more. I think that's something that will need to be considered this offseason. This is Jordan on the Gold Coast, who is now on 670 The Score on Hit & Run. Good morning, Jordan. How are you? Hey, uh, hello, hello, Jordan. Uh, we might have lost Jordan. Sean, see if we can reestablish. Larry is in Naperville, and now on the score. Good morning, Larry.
4: Hey, man, how you doing?
2: I'm great, thank you.
4: Wonderful show, I love it every Sunday. After they didn't pinch run for Grandal, which for should have been angle. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was out of my mind. I don't. I, and then Joe McEwing. This is got They've got to go. Those Larusa and him got to go. But the but the the light at the end of the tunnel was that Rundell got hurt. And oh. by the way, I feel the
2: same. Uh,
4: now I don't want this guy to be hurt for his life, but he is the biggest liability on our team.
0: I'm glad he's gone.
2: Oh God, Larry. So this is the thing. I tried to say it kind and soft, and then a whole bunch of other people are just going to come in and just say it harder, right? It's good. That's why the, That's why the Lord invented callers to sports radio. You guys can say That it. was perfect. <laughs> the, the, They're the, better because he's hurt. <laughs> the silver lining. You know, Chris Tannehill's been trying to make a segment happen on Parkinson's Spiegel for a long time. Uh, it was after Tyreek Hill had said something about something he did, and then he goes, am I wrong for that? So am I wrong for that? So, for that? so yeah. We're all taking part in a a special, special Sunday morning edition of "Am I Wrong for that?" And so far, I don't know. Jordan's on the Gold Coast. Try again, Jordan. How are you? Good morning.:
4: Hey, I was going to say, how was it for the guys at the score when Mike Murphy left?
2: Uh.
4: Was it? <laughs> <laughs> really? uh, um, uh. I guess I'll just say I'll answer for you. Okay. Um, it was probably a lot better. So, like, um, you didn't have to deal with them anymore. Oh. So, basically, like, the guy can't really catch.
2: Grondahl? Or, or Murph. Really or Murph, you mean.
4: I've I never played catch with Murph, so I can't vouch for that. Maybe yeah. you can, but I, 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 I cannot.
2: I have not played catch with Murph. I'm sure he could play catch. I'm See, I'm the guy who actually um, did not – I don't have awful things to say about Murph. I'm, I'm the one guy, I think. Jay Zawoski's not here anymore, for the most part, on the regular – so uh, thank you for the call, Jordan. But yeah, that that certainly fits how a lot of other people here at the score would say that. You know, you know why? Um, here's the thing: Murph loves baseball and loved baseball. Crazy, crazy passion for it. Saw that same passion in me, and and uh, actually, you know, was encouraging and supportive of it, which was very, very kind uh, of him back in the day. But thank you for the call, uh, Jordan. As let, let's see what the textures are saying. That's even more anonymous. Um, I hope that Grandal can take an ambassador or other baseball role with the White Sox. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Can't Uh, catch, but he can represent our team in another way, huh? Texter says, completely agree about Grandal Speaks. More at-bats for Sheets and Vaughn at the DH. If the injury is an ACL, Grandal probably won't play another game for the White Sox. Wow. That's first time I've seen or You know, but I got to say it did enter my mind this morning, which is why I went right to the contract conversation and about the glut that you have and about the disappointment of what I believe is the biggest contract they've ever handed out in the free agent history of the Chicago White Sox. So, look, maybe on a future show, we'll do a version of the conversation that so many have been having in this town in terms of the White Sox. Who gets the blame, right? It's a, Is it Tony? Is it the players? Is it Rick Hahn? Is it Jerry Reinsdorf? And there's so much to go around. But Rick Hahn, oh, I have to point at you and say that the biggest free agent pitcher you signed is Dallas Keuchel. And the biggest free agent position player you signed is Yasmani Grandal. And those things look awful. Both of them. And I, I should have stuck to my guns. I mean, I remember it on Grandal. I, I remember... Well, you know, it's okay. We don't have to turn this into a bash Yasmani Grandal show. Uh, this from Peoria, Matt. No Yasmani Grandal would be a huge loss. Regards, Jason Hayward. <laughs> you guys are terrible. Bunch of awful, awful people. This is Mark in South Bend on 670 The Score. Good morning, Mark. How are you? Hey, good morning, Dan. Always a
4: pleasure and honor to chime in with you. I got about three quick things that take 20 seconds. and I'll listen. To okay, you. well,
2: hold on, though. My name is Matt, and I just wanted to establish that since your name is Mark and uh, and I'm hosting the show. Go ahead, Mark. Yeah, right, Matt. Uh,
4: honor and pleasure. Yes. Uh, what, first thing is McEwen and Boston have been making mistakes for just not only this year, all year about base running and that, and then really hurt the White Sox, number one. And, and uh, number two is I came up with a, a new nickname for Dylan Cease. His number is number 84. There used to be a Chicago to Pittsburgh freight train called the N W eighty four, and he's and another
2: part of it would be the Big Smoke. Huh. Dylan Cease is now the Big Smoke, uh-huh. as Walter Johnson was the Big Train. Oh, I like the Big Smoke. Uh, I, I like. The, I don't know if Dylan would like it, but um, you know, sometimes you don't get to choose. You're trying to make it happen, Mark. I appreciate you. Mark's call last week was the suggestion that Bonetti Spaghetti should be a Wednesday night thing. Um, with vendors walking around with plates of spaghetti and a little garlic bread and some salad, which did not seem very, um, you know, convenient necessarily. But uh, but we appreciate the input, as, as always, from Mark. Here's the thing about Daryl Boston and Joe McEwing. They've been there forever. They've been there through a bunch of different managers. They've been there a long time, and they are longtime guys. They are loyalty um, loyalty coaches. And you can't just have loyalty hires and guys that you stick with if they're not actually teaching. Just, you know, look around at some of the stuff that Ron Washington teaches the young Atlanta Braves players when they come up. Ron Washington's a third-base coach who teaches fundamentals, skills, has drills, coaches these guys because a lot of them come up fast. Hell, in Atlanta, they got Vaughn Grissom and Michael Harris II, both right up from AA, both producing, helping out. Um, a bunch of other young players that are developing uh, on the regular. Big, big leaguers are not finished. Big leaguers are not finished developing when they get to the bigs. They need to be coached, and they need to be, um, they need to be spoken to in a really in, in a good, strong way. And it's okay to coach them. I mean, Luis Robert is not a finished product in the outfield. Sometimes Luis Robert doesn't get his feet set before a sacrifice fly when he could make a big throw and show off that arm he's got. Drives me nuts. It's Daryl Boston's job. Teach him. But they don't. So, uh, you know, it, it's, it's been an unfortunate part of the season what, uh, what those guys have done. A uh, lot more to get to on hit and run. Uh, a lot coming up in the 10 o'clock hour with the Cubs. Greg Brown, the Cubs hitting coach. Very excited to talk to him at 10 o'clock. Boog Shambi after that. In the meantime, more of your phone calls right here on Hit and Run on 670 The Score.
3: Hit and Run with Matt Spiegel. Sunday mornings on The Score. The
4: left hander was going
3: to be... Naylor literally took off. Deekman never saw him, and he stole third base easily. And then on the drop, Jimenez decides to go to second. So now, you walk him on one and two. You apparently are walking in one and two, and now it looks like Jones is gonna be called back, I believe.
1: Uh, again, you're, you're ahead of him one and two. Yep, yep. And Jake Diekman is gonna have it taken out of his hands for the time being. Ah. We've seen it twice this year. It didn't work out the first time. Well.
3: Let's see how it works out this time.
2: <laughs> Those guys, man. It's so fun. Benetti and Stone on NBC Sports Chicago. The next inning when, was it Sheets pinch hits for Zavala who had been the DH, and that means that they lose the DH, you know, and Benetti has a moment where he's like, "Oh, and now they lose the DH." And he pauses and he goes, "Spin the wheel." Like, just spin the wheel of managing. And then he segued to an Illinois lottery read and said, (laughs) and said, appropriately, here's a read for the Illinois lottery. And just did that. It was so, so unbelievably great. Oh, God. I live live for that stuff. I'm watching that game on Friday night, and as soon as the wild pitch happened or the pass ball, whatever it was, as soon as first base opened up, I'm like, he's going to walk him. He's going to walk him. Because Tony's about matchup, 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 matchup. It's just not based on the most up-to-date analytics and logic and available information. That's the problem. But he's based on matchup, 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 matchup. And he doesn't think about... Here's what he doesn't think about. It drives me crazy. Two-strike anxiety. The numbers are there. If you just want to use the numbers, and you can... Every hitter with two strikes is a far worse hitter than any hitter with no strikes. Okay. That's just true by the numbers, but also two strike anxiety. You've got a guy one, two. Go after him. Go at finish him. Finish him. That's baseball. That's pitching, you know? And I, I know that Tony knows baseball, but man, and he's so stubborn about it. This is him post-game. I don't know if this includes the quote that I read, but here's La Russa post-game about the 1-2 intentional walk and kind of defending himself on
1: it. The left-hander was going to be uh, when he faced uh, Miller. When he got to Gonzalez, then...
4: If, when they stole the race as an open base. So
2: it's good on. So it worked. Right? Did we get the
3: guy
2: out? Yeah. So it worked. It worked. Did we get the guy out? Yeah, you did. A fly ball. It's not about results, Tony. Everyone was upset with the process and the thought process that went on. I, the quote that I saw um, from him game was that he thought that the hubbub over the one-two intentional walks was some of the most ridiculous fan reaction uh, from this season. See if you can find that quote, Sean Sears. I don't want to just attribute it incorrectly. I saw it on Twitter. I think from Fegan. We don't. We don't need. You don't need to get the sound. It's okay. It's tough to hear Tony anyway. Sometimes he um, he doesn't enunciate great, and often like that, it's like in a tunnel or whatever. But just search James Fegan's Twitter account um, and see if you can find that quote from Tony about the one-two intentional walks so I don't misappropriate and put that on him. But as soon as the base was stolen, I was like, all right, here we go. It's going to happen. And no, that loss was not on Tony LaRusso. That There was much more, like striking out 14 times against Tristan McKenzie, who is... I, I love Dr. Sticks. I, I love so much about Cleveland as an organization how they teach pitching, how they develop pitching, they never have to go out and get a free agent starter. Ever. They just develop their own, then trade them, like Corey Kluber, like Mike Clevenger, and just plug in new ones. You know? And they make good trades, too. Do do you know what they got for Francisco Lindor? And I know that you could argue they should have kept Lindor, obviously, and that should be their guy, but this is just the nature of where they are. They got Ahmed Rosario and Andre Jimenez for Francisco Lindor. Among others, I think there's a couple others in that deal. But they got two regulars who are stalwarts in their contact-crazy lineup. I just, I, I admire that organization quite a bit. And I hope Carter Hawkins brings some of the best of it to his role with the Cubs. Back to the phone lines we go. This is Stan and Bellwood on 670 The Score. Hello, Stan. How are you?
4: Hello, good morning, Steve. Good morning. I'm here. How are you? I'm excellent. Baseball malfeasance. There, La Russa should have been arrested about four or five months ago. They <laughs> cuffed and perp walked right out of the stadium. Man, uh, it's uh, it's it's embarrassing. Um, I, and i've I've got uh, I've got an uh, the ultimate embarrassing scenario for uh, the White Sox to contemplate. Um, uh, it, it, it actually might force them. Uh, to make major changes and even get rid of LaRusa. But I, um, I do want to say, uh, you're you talking about Grandal earlier. Yeah. Uh, you know, getting rid of him won't hurt my feelings. But the White Sox are going to have to also eat a lot of money this offseason because they can't afford to bring these guys back. And, you know, they, they, I, I just hope they don't let money become, uh, a major consideration for doing it. You can't bring a lot of these guys back. And I, I'm talking about Nuri Garcia and Josh Harrison, uh, even Moncada, AJ Pollock. You know, they went into the offseason last year needing a right fielder, uh, a defensive catcher, a second baseman. And now, you know, they have those exact same needs going into this offseason plus a third baseman. So they're going to, they're, they're going to have to eat. A considerable amount of money, but if you're a serious franchise, you got to do it. Um, mm. Which brings me to my second point here: it speaks about um, you know the toughness of the American League East, um, and especially with Baltimore being a vastly improved team this year, is taking its toll on that division. They are beating each other to a pulp. Uh, to the point that all of those teams, the Yankees included, are all limping to the finish line here. Yep. And that actually now has opened the door, believe it or not, for the American League Central to send two teams to the playoffs this year.
2: Uh, yes, the, right, right now the twins, the twins are a game and a half behind Tampa Bay for that third wild card. Uh, Baltimore is two and a half back. The White Sox three back. So very much, the White Sox and the Twins are in contention for that third and final wild card.
4: That's exactly right, and I'm not predicting it because I think you know all of those teams, uh, well, particularly Tampa and um, uh, and Toronto, are better you know than the White Sox and Minnesota. But just to throw this out there, it, it's I, it's unlikely. But it's not off the table. How embarrassing would it be for the White Sox and their management for two teams from the American League Central to advance to the playoffs and the White Sox not be even one of them? <laughs>
2: oh. <laughs> Stan. Yeah, man. That, that would be rough. That would be rough. Look, Bob Nightingale um, hinted at it last week in a column about managerial firings when he wrote, Tony La Russa will not be fired. But if the White Sox don't make the playoffs, he could be moved to a different role in the front office. So if they don't make the playoffs, and and I've heard that that kind of thing is what's going to happen. I've also, I've heard about, frankly, a possible massive reshuffling in the organization Not like a full-on house cleaning, but a reshuffling. And I've been trying to get more information on what that exactly will be, what that will look like. But when I say reshuffling, and when I've asked about reshuffling, you've got Kenny Williams, who used to be the GM, but is the big boss, and I don't believe he wants that every day spotlight or every week spotlight of being the GM again. You've got... An assistant GM in Jeremy Haber, who is thought to be possibly a future GM, but I don't know how great he would be in a public-facing role. I genuinely don't know the answer to that question. Um, and then you've got Chris Getz, who's in charge of development and in charge of uh, of, of the minor leagues. And I wonder, we've seen this before where they move guys around. Remember Nick Hostetler used to be in that job for scouting. It was, was the scouting guy. And then they moved him around, I think, into pro scouting. Um, and so, so I think you'll see a reshuffling. And I, I would keep an eye on Chris Getz as a current power broker and maybe a future power broker for the Chicago White Sox. This is Diesel and McHenry on the score. Good morning, Diesel. Hey, Matt, how are you? I'm great. Thank you. Uh, quick and simple
4: and to the point. Sure. sorry, Grandal, not hurt. But as far as I'm concerned, keep Grandal and Garcia off the roster, and maybe we can win it this year.
2: <laughs> thank you, thank you, Diesel. Oh, big Jim on the south side. Wrap up our hour, Jim. Hey, is the uh, rock and roll doctor Matt Spiegel in the house uh, today? Oh, man. Two degrees in bebop, a Ph.D. in swing. Let's go, baby. So,
4: wait, no, wait, no, i You'll appreciate this. Uh, the Pat Travers album, Black Pearl, has
1: two outstanding tracks, I Love, Love, Love You, and I'd Rather See You Dead. Are you
2: familiar with that album at all, Matt? I'm not familiar with that album. I'm familiar with Pat Travers, but not the album. But you got 30, oh. sec- you got 30 seconds for a baseball point, Jim.
4: You know, I'm a Twins guy. You know what's going to happen. is going to make the playoffs, and he's going to lose the playoff game because of him.
2: <laughs> the Roos is going to make the playoffs and lose the playoffs because of something he does it's entirely possible Thank you, Big Jim. Thank you, callers, uh, for an enjoyable hour. Heavy on the White Sox this hour. Heavy on the Cubs next hour. But we'll get back to the White Sox late in the hour. So be listening because Dylan Cease was on inside the clubhouse um, yesterday and had some really good stuff. And in the 11 o'clock hour, whether the Sox are playing or not, we'll talk to Dan Zimborski from Fangraphs and Chris Kampka in the final hour. But coming up next, hitting coach for the Cubs, Greg Brown. Looking forward to that right here on Hit and Run on the Score.